Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. All right, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, our foundational scripture. We're really looking at this idea that um, as we walk through life, sometimes the journey itself can be a little discouraging, disappointing, overwhelming. And it's really not because of the destination, because the plan and purpose God has for us is beyond what we can ask, hope, think, or imagine. The Bible says the destination we know, as God set it up for us, is amazing. But sometimes the, the journey can be uh, overwhelming and disappointing, discouraging. And, and I believe it's because of the things we pick up along the way. Things that God never really intended for us to have or to walk in. And so we need to find a way to be free from that, to, to have uh, not only our focus on the destination God intends, but to enjoy the journey. Uh, and we'll do that with the freedom that comes from Jesus, amen, comes from what he provides. And so sometimes we pick up things along the way. Let's take a look at this scripture. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Say divine power. We're addressing things that we pick up along the way in the natural, not just with natural means, but supernatural means, amen? And when we engage with supernatural means, we're not just looking for a little bit of relief or, or just a, a little bit of breathing room or whatever that may look like. We're, we're looking for a complete freedom, amen? Promised by God. In fact, it says the divine power, when we engage things supernaturally or spiritually into dealing with our baggage, it's the power to demolish strongholds, to utterly destroy them so they no longer have a stronghold on your life. In fact, the word stronghold is our, our biblical word for baggage. And that literally means, stronghold literally means back in the original Greek language, it means that we have bought into something that's not true or that we are a prisoner locked by deception. So if it's all based on a lie, and it is, then it makes sense that the solution is based on a truth. And so each week we've been trying to give you biblical truth to combat the lies the enemy has told you because we know that God is a God of freedom, amen? In fact, it goes on to say this. Let's finish out, that out, guys. We demolish arguments and every pretension or claim that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We need to increase or have a greater knowledge of God, and that is the word, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we need some new thoughts. We need some new thinking, and our thinking needs to be in line with the truth of God's word. That's how we combat the lie, amen? And that's what gives us the ability, if you will, to demolish the strongholds or the deception of the enemy. And so that's something that we wrestle with. In fact, many of us today, if not all of us today, perhaps are wrestling with something as we came in. And even though it's Sunday morning, it was a thing that perhaps maybe wanted us to stay in bed or, or maybe uh, guilt or, or some other things that were involved. And in fact, it's something that we are continually told lies about. The enemy is making sure that he's lying to us. In fact, that reminds me of a story. I've shared this before, but I remember the story told about a man who went into a pet shop and in the pet shop was a, a parrot in this huge cage up by the register. And the man walked in the door, he's looking around, and the parrot said, hey you, hey you. And the man looked over there and said, me? And the parrot said, yeah, you, come here. And so the man walked over to the cage and said, what do you want? And the parrot said, you are the ugliest human being I have ever seen on the planet. And that offended the man as it would anybody. And so the man went to the owner and said, I'm offended. And here's what your parrot just said. The owner was furious and grabbed the parrot and slapped him around by the beak, pulled out a few feathers out of him, said, don't you ever talk to another customer of mine that way. And so put the parrot back in the cage. A month later, the man came back into the store and all of a sudden he hears this, hey you, hey you, come here. And so he walks up to the cage and looks at that parrot and says, what do you want? And that parrot says, you know what. 
What I really love about, about that is that is just like the devil. You got ready for church this morning. We're standing in here. We're entering to a wonderful, amazing time of worship. And you came today like I came today. And you came, I want to connect with you, God. I really want more of you. I want to feel your presence. I want to be free from stuff. I want to worship you. And the moment you walked in the door, the enemy's like, you know what? And you're going to find your seat. And then now you, you, you've built up the courage or the love of the Father. And you start to raise your hand, maybe for the first time. And you're raising your hand in freedom and surrender to God. And the enemy says, go ahead, raise your hand. But you know what you did this week. And then you, you, you want to amen things. And you want to shout and celebrate. And, and you want to nod your head to the right, at the right times. And, and the enemy says, go ahead and look like you got it going on. But you know what. Come on. Am I speaking truth? And that's just the enemy. That's the lying enemy, the lying devil. So we need the truth to combat the lies. In fact, the Bible says, I think it's in John 8, that the devil's the father of lies. And Revelation says he's the accuser of the brethren, accusing day and night. So we're determined to press in and connect with the truth. Amen? We're going to combat the lies with the truth of God's word. And I hope in the course of this series that you're believing the truth of God's word above the lies. Amen? And so uh, today... Because um, a lot of times we'll try and adjust and settle for things even after we find our freedom. I want to talk about the idea of once you've experienced freedom, how do you stay free? How do you stay free? Because you come to those places of release and freedom and all of a sudden, the moment you walk out the door, the Bible says the enemy comes immediately, steal it away. Your bag's waiting for you. Your bag's waiting for you. The cart's waiting for you at home. It's knocking on your door. And we need to find a way to find some freedom and not pick that bag up once we've demolish the strongholds in our life. John, could you bring that up? I shared this story as we started this series about a trip that Rob Bellamy and I took. We were on our way to Tulsa and going to a men's conference. And uh, we gate-checked our bag and we got to the plane and the flight was canceled. And then all of a sudden, the, we had to go get our bags. And I'm standing in line with every other passenger. All of a sudden, the, passage, the, bag, the baggage thing is empty. There's no more bags and mine's nowhere to be found. I'm like, how could you lose it? It was just gate-checked and we just taxied around on the plane and came back to the gate. And so I'm looking at the lady and I said, well, I, where's my bag? And she said, oh, there's one more behind you. And I turned around and there's my bag. And it had been totally, utterly demolished by the ramp of all people, my bag. And all my, my clothes and stuff were sticking out the side. And, and I just, all I could do was laugh. And I said, well, I know it's not your fault, but thank you. And I start walking down the hall and pick the bag up. And she comes running after me, sir, sir. And I stop and turn around. She goes, you forgot this. Like, Thank you. I don't know how I would get my bag around without it. My God, I'm awesome. <laughs> my bag was utterly demolished. And so it was really embarrassing waiting for the next flight, walking through the airport and stuffing my clothes in every so often. Before I lifted up the overhead compartment, I had to really stuff all the clothes back in there, stick it up there. And when I got back to San Antonio, I went to the baggage claim area. I walked in and they said, so would you like a replacement? And I said, please. And they gave me a much nicer bag than I had before this one was. And I thought about it, you know, in context of this series, once our bags are demolished, we need to stay free from them. And then anybody's going to offer you even a bigger, nicer bag, more convenient. Here, it's got a nicer handle. It's got bigger wheels. It's lighter weight. It's more durable. The enemy is going to try everything within his power. Once you find freedom, to come back at you again and get you to pick that bag back up. So what we need to realize is once we find our place of freedom, that the things that we need to do to maintain that freedom, because understand this, the enemy likes to counterattack. And so the question is, once you're free, what do you do with counterattacks? 
And I think sometimes we don't talk about that enough. We talk about how to become free and we talk about ways and steps and formulas and processes and all those kind of things. But what about after that freedom comes, how do you maintain that place of freedom? So this morning, it's what I want to talk about, I want to share with you. In fact, Jesus talked about it, and the reality is people experience freedom but are never really prepared for the counterattacks. So Jesus addressed it in Luke. Let's take a look. Luke 11, 24 through 26. New Living Translation says this, when an evil spirit leaves a person, when you finally deal with and get rid of that baggage, if you will, the thing that's been in your life, it goes into the desert searching for rest. But when it finds none, it says, huh, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds that its former home is all swept and in order. And that's because we've sat through four messages already and we've applied the truth of God's word to release our baggage. So our homes are, are, are within ourselves are swept clean. So the enemy comes back then and it says, then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. And we're all thinking, thanks for the encouraging word, pastor. Can we move on to the next series now? But the reality of this is Jesus is telling us, hey, don't just sit there and be complacent or whatever because the enemy's gonna counterattack. And it may be even more fierce than what you ever expected or imagined. In fact, he's gonna bring friends. But it doesn't matter because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, amen, and I'm an overcomer. And he who the sun sets free is free indeed. But we need to find out how to walk in our freedom. But the reality is most Christians aren't prepared for the counterattack. They're not prepared to maintaining their freedom. Let's talk about for a moment, uh, what I see is a cycle of that. I think we all find ourselves in this cycle. And it's really a cycle that I, I think is recognizable not only in every area of our life, but every arena of our life. Everything that we're associated with, it'll happen in our lives, it'll happen in our finances, it'll happen in our morals, our relationships, our businesses, our country. And I wanna show it to you so we can stop the cycle. Let me give you the first thing. Number one is freedom, that place of freedom that we come to. And I believe there's something in every single one of us placed by God that has a desire for freedom. And so I believe that we'll fight for freedom, at least for a time. And I believe that we serve, or we live in a country that understands the price of freedom. I mean, I think it's being lost a little bit now. That's why I'm so excited about the Vietnam War Memorial. We can honor those that put their life on the line for our freedoms, that we know that we have to be constantly vigilant around the world, right, to maintain our freedom. And so I think there's something in us that really that kind of brave heart thing, you know, freedom that will rise up and want to fight against it, so to speak. And so when we achieve our freedom, it will produce something. In the second part of the cycle, freedom will produce prosperity or blessing. Isn't that true? We're finally free and all of a sudden we, we, we have all these things we're gonna do and we're, we're gonna be about and all of a sudden we've paid off our debt and now all of a sudden we got freedom and we probably don't really control our spending much. In fact, some people get right back into worse debt than they were before. Or if you're like me, it's with losing weight, gaining weight, you, you get down to that weight that you've always wanted to get then you kind of slack off for a while and aren't as diligent then you just put it right back on. Or you get to a place of freedom in some kind of thing in your body or your, or your mind or your relationships and if we're not diligent, we find ourselves back in the same place. And in fact, most of the time when we find ourselves after that freedom to that great place of blessing or prosperity, if you will, what we find is one or two things will happen typically if we don't know how to handle it or maintain it. We'll find ourselves either being complacent and we stop doing the things we did to get there, right? Or we find ourselves a little arrogant. Like, we've achieved all that. Like, I got here now, I'm good. I got it, God. Thank you for getting me through that difficult time. I got this now, I'm good, God. And if we don't know how to manage that, we'll either be complacent, not do the things that got us our freedom and find ourselves slipping back into there, or we'll be arrogant, my Bible says that pride comes before a fall. 
And so the third part of that cycle then is bondage again. And we see all throughout history, we see that in our own lives. We find freedom, then all of a sudden if we don't know how to manage it well, we find freedom, then we find ourselves in that season of blessing and prosperity coming right back in, either through complacency or arrogance, back into bondage again. And we need to stop the cycle. We need to stop the cycle in our life. So we need to know how to maintain our freedom. Even the early church faced this. Even the New Testament church faced this when you look at the scripture. They experienced tremendous freedom. In fact, there were all these laws, the Ten Commandments. Actually, there was over 400 laws that they had to maintain, had to walk in. Feasts and laws and things that they were expected. And the religious crowd got real arrogant with it. It seemed like it was impossible, and it was really impossible to live up to all these. But yet, all of a sudden, they were trying to live by these rules and laws and making animal sacrifices. They had to shed blood for freedom, and they had to do all these things. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene. And can you imagine how excited the New Testament or early church was after Jesus came, and he was the sacrifice for all? No longer did they have to shed the blood of animals. Jesus shed his blood once and for all. They didn't have to follow. And the only law that they had to follow then was the law of love. Amen? And the the greatest commandment then became the the law of love. You can imagine the, the celebration, the freedom of the New Testament early church. But what happened? After a while, they didn't maintain that as they should, and they started slipping back into this place of bondage. In fact, the book of Galatians, which is a fantastic book in the Bible, was written because Paul was addressing a church he planted that celebrated all this tremendous freedom, and now they're getting back into some law things and putting law and expectations on the Gentiles. Instead of focusing and maintaining their freedom, they slipped back into some bondage. And so we see Galatians 5.1. Here's what he writes in regards to this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Don't let yourselves be burdened again. Church, we've had four great weeks of biblical truths we can apply to our life and I believe freedom has come and I would say this morning to you, don't let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of bondage or slavery. Don't let yourself be burdened again by baggage that you were never meant to carry, never meant to have in life. Today, let's talk about how to stay free and how to maintain your freedom. Here's my question. Is it possible to experience God's freedom and God's blessing and never go back into bondage? To which I would say, absolutely. That's always God's intent, isn't it? That's what God has always intended. So let me give you three things to maintain your freedom. Three things to maintain your freedom. Number one, it's gonna take humility. Absolutely gonna take humility. I think most people lose their freedom because they're just quite honest with you, a little bit arrogant, a little prideful. And especially if you find a breakthrough, it's easy for us to slip into that thing and say, I got it all figured out now, I got this. I think we can all get to a place where we say, we have this. Or that's not an issue for me anymore. Yeah, I was there, but that's not an issue for me anymore. I got that. I'm on top of it. I think people can be that way. I think our country can be that way. I think our leaders can be that way. I think our church can be that way. I think our pastors can be that way. I think it's easy for us to be that way. But Proverbs says pride goes before a fall. It is so important after we find ourselves in that place of freedom and things are going good to acknowledge that it's only in and through him. It's only in and through God. That's why when God blesses us, we need to immediately thank him. Every day we need to say, even on my best day, God, I fall short. It's only in you, by you, and through you. 
It's only because he's equipped you and gifted you. If you think that because of your mind and your intellect and your creativity that you've created some things that have brought blessing your way, it's because God gave you that mind, that intellect, that creativity. If you only think it's because these hands did that, these hands built this, these hands created, it's because God gave you those hands. He gave you those abilities. It's not because of you. It's by him, in him, and through him, amen, that we have our being. Every day, and when we wake up in the morning, thank you, God, for this day. This is the day you have made. I want to serve you today. Every night before we go to bed, thank you, God, for a wonderful day. Forgive me of anything that I've taken credit for. It all belongs to you. Oh, finding yourself at a place of humility is absolutely important to maintaining your freedom. God, if it wasn't for you, who would I be? Where would I be? Everything we we have comes from the gracious, generous, forgiving, merciful God. We didn't do it, we don't deserve it. And the day we start thinking we did is the day we fall into that cycle. Uh, First Peter 5, 6 says this. Humble yourselves, listen to this. Humble yourselves, you humble yourself. Therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. Humble yourself or you'll be humbled. Can we say that that way? Humble yourself or you'll be humbled. One, you initiate. The other God initiates, but it's for your good. I would rather humble myself than be humbled by God. I heard it said this way one time. I can't remember who said it. Maybe James Robinson said this. It's either humility or humiliation. You choose. Ah, humility, thank you. I'll take that. So it's something that we have to be mindful of all the time, every day to live a humble life, one of humility. You want to be the one that humbles himself. And the Bible says God will lift that person up. I think it was Roy Stockstill that said this, if you stay on your knees, you don't have far to fall. If you stay on your knees, you don't have far to fall. And we know King David, King David messed up so many times. We see him committing adultery, we see murder, all kinds of stuff, but he understood this principle. You read the Psalms, you hear him pour his heart out, and he never fell out of God's favor for his life. Psalms 51, in fact, King David, this, verse one and two, have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from sin. Pouring his heart out in humility to God after he makes mistakes. Let's go on. It goes on to say this in verse 17. Listen to what he says here. My sacrifice is a way of saying what you like or what you desire, oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. You, God, will not turn away from humility. You, God, will not turn back your back on my humbleness. In fact, the Bible says God exalts the humble. He lifts them up. So David's even crying out, knowing what God wants and desires is humility, even after mistakes are made. The way to maintain your freedom, it's gonna take humility. Number two, it's gonna take honesty. Honesty, that means when you're tempted, when you wanna go back, when that bag starts knocking at your door, when the enemy starts saying, you know what, hey, you know what, you better tell somebody. You better tell someone. You can't keep it to yourself. You can't keep it as a secret. I don't want anybody else to know. You can't get free from it that way. Now, just because you've fallen, listen to me, just because you have fallen does not mean that that bag has to come back into your life. Just because you've fallen, it doesn't mean that bag has to come back into your life. But there's some things that you need to do in order for it not to happen. In fact, Proverbs 24 says this, a righteous man may fall seven times, but he keeps getting back up. It doesn't have to come back into your life, but it will if you're not honest. You need to be honest first with God. Be honest with God first. First John 1, 9 says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us 
of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins to God, if we're honest to God with our sins, he forgives us. Aren't you glad God is a forgiving God? But not only do we need to be honest with God, we need to be honest with God's people. Honest with God's people. No, I just don't, just God. I don't want anybody else to know, just God. No, honesty to God brings forgiveness, but look what happens when you're honest with God's people in James 5, 16. Here's what it says. Therefore, confess your sins to each other, be honest with God's people, and pray for each other so that you may be what? Healed. Honesty with God brings you forgiveness. Honesty with others brings you healing. Come on. We need to be people that are gonna be honest with God for our forgiveness and then honest with other people. And that's why I say all the time, and I always will, we need to be in small groups, life groups, and serving groups. We have to build those relationships. Because notice you need to be honest with God's people. Don't be, ta- don't be talking to the world out there about what you did, because that's how the world lives. Oh, not a big deal, don't worry about it, it's okay, just don't do it again. That's not gonna help you a bit. We know that because we've tried that. And it's easier to go to a worldly person perhaps than God, or godly people. And not that godly people judge or condemn, but it's just hard to do that. But, but God set it up that way. When you, when you do that, you find healing and freedom and restoration. You gotta build some godly relationships. So people can speak into your life. You've given them permission and trust to do that. You can speak into their lives. That's why we need each other. I wanna challenge you to live in humility. Confess to God and find forgiveness and confess to God's people and find healing, live in honesty rather. And we need to be in those, building those relationships. But I know there's a risk, and that's kind of the turnoff. I know there is a risk to that. And then we're afraid people are gonna find out what are people gonna think, but God set it up that way. You need to take the risk. I'm reminded of uh, uh, a story, three pastors getting together, and pastors, we, we need those relationships in our lives. And so the pastors got together and they know they needed accountability. And so they thought, let's just get together and we could be kind of a little accountability group. And so the first pastor and the first time they met said, I'm so glad that we're doing this. I really need to share some things I haven't shared with anybody else. And so he began to share with the other pastors that his issue, main issue, is lust. He just has a real problem with lust. And he's just embarrassed and afraid to tell anybody. And so he expressed it to the other two pastors and he felt like a weight had been lifted. He just needed to tell someone. He was able to get that off his chest. And then the other pastor, second pastor in the group said, man, I appreciate you saying that and let me share my issue with you. Nobody knows this, but I'm, an, I'm a gambler. I'm addicted to gambling. And in fact, he'd been doing Texas Hold'em online and, and just really got addicted to it and, and got in great debt and just was really destroying the, the lives and the lives around him and the family because of the great debt because of his gambling addiction. And he said, but after sharing that with you guys, I I feel like the weight's been lifted. I I feel some freedom. And so the third pastor said, man, I appreciate you guys opening up and and sharing that. I want to share with you my issue. And so he looked at them all, and my issue is gossip, and I can't wait to get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) I know there's a risk. Can I say, though, it's worth the risk. Because God set it up that healing comes through relationships. And so we need to be willing to take the risk. I know that there's fear, but don't convince yourself that you can handle it by yourself because you can't. That's not how God set it up. If you're gonna maintain your freedom, you need humility, honesty, and lastly, you need the Holy Spirit. I wish I had more time on this one. The Holy Spirit. We need the person and power of the Holy Spirit active in our lives. And let me just make sure you understand that he is a person. It's not an it It's not some kind of ethereal kind of thing floating around out there. The Holy Spirit is a person. And that means that you can have a relationship with him. 
In fact, you need to have a close, intimate relationship, friendship. In fact, he needs to be your best friend. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. It's the, kind of the, the benediction to 2 Corinthians. It's the last scripture. It's the prayer that's prayed. And it says this, that the amazing grace of the master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. You need a close, personal friendship, relationship with the Holy Spirit, and I'm so thankful he is my best friend. And again, I wish I had time to more to, to minister on that. In fact, this last August, August of last year, I did a series on that, and you can go online and the archives and pull up that series. I would encourage you to four or five weeks long and listen to the, the, the power, the importance of having a friendship, the relationship with the person and power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I think one of those messages I taught was entitled My Best Friend. And it might sound silly and goofy, but you know what? It's true. It's real. He's real, and you need him. You need him in your life. And here's what this is saying in this passage of scripture, that all five messages on this topic are great. I think you can go back and listen to the biblical truths and apply them to life. Connecting with other people, that's great. You need to share, you need to find that honesty with God, honesty with others, but you're still going to need the person and power of the Holy Spirit in your life to maintain your freedom. You cannot maintain this freedom in your own effort. It's impossible. Remember 2 Corinthians 10? We need divine power to demolish the strongholds in our life. Romans 8, 9, New Living Translation says this, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit, capital S, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. We need his role in our life. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 says this, Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is active, there is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is active and alive in your life, there is freedom, amen? Listen to me. It's not that we need more sermons. It's not that we need more instruction. It's not that we need more formulas or processes. It's not that we need another book to read. It's not that we need another podcast to listen to. In fact, Many of us have way more knowledge than we're walking in right now. We are over-sermonized. We are. We need more encounters. We need more experiences. We need more face-to-face time with the only true and living God through the person and power of the Holy Spirit to walk in the freedom God intended for our lives. Amen? We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.